0: It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to 3 at gmail.com. Follow 3 Point podcasts on social media at 3 Point Pod. The fellows will get enrolling right after this from our partners.
1: Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is a mortgage and land contract services company that is focused on your success. The home financing team has over 25 years' experience in origination of all types of loans. Led by Jim Woodworth, Success Group Mortgage provides one-on-one service with a personal touch. You're not lost in the crowd like working with a mega-sized bank. Every transaction is given complete attention from the very beginning to the very end. Located in downtown Owasso, call today for an appointment at 989-720-4380 or find more info on the web at successgroupmortgage.com. It's now time for Three Point Podcast, Episode 172. I'm Ted Fattel of Z925 with ESPN's Matt Burns on the phone, and Jared Fattel of Bally Sports Detroit, right here in the studio with me. Our starting lineup includes the Advanced Elevator, the Corona Connection, Hankered Sportswear, JJ's Excavating and Tree Services, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Owasso Speedway, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z925 The Castle. We're gonna have kind of a local show here for for you. So some of you people that listen out of state, hey, just listen in, see what you think. But we're gonna be talking with a High softball head coach, Joe Ellen Smith. She has her team in the state division two semifinals. We'll also check in with Corona's baseball coach, Chuck Osika who uh, took his Cavaliers to another successful season into the uh, district championship. And we'll be talking with local band shytown town You've heard me talk about it here on the podcast before, and we look forward to talking with uh, some of the fellas there. But first of all, we always like to get caught up, and let's uh, jump into whatever you want to talk about here at the beginning.
2: You didn't mention it, Ted. What's that? We're going to be debuting... A Shy town track.
1: Ah, perfect. You're right. I forgot about that. A new song by Shy town called, uh, it's a new release, not a cover. It's called Run Through Me, and we're going to play that a little bit later in the podcast. Looking forward to hearing that.
3: Yeah, uh, me too. Right off the rip, just with the catch-up segment, this is something I've always kind of wondered, Father's Day. Is it really that great? I mean, you guys are dads. (laughs) Kind of seems like an overrated day, if I'm being honest, but...
1: (laughs) Well, I will say, number one, it's not nearly as important as Mother's Day. I'll, I'll yeah. give you that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, my wife always asks, you know, what do you want to do or what do you want or whatever? And honestly, it's like, I, you know, I don't want necessarily a present. Let's just do something like this year. Well, yeah, I mean, surprise, surprise, we're going to the beach. So I was like, <laughs> let's just let's spend the day at the beach or let's just, you know, go for a nice bike ride or, you know, do stuff like that. Like, that's to me. Or, yeah, let's maybe grill out a good meal or something like that. But otherwise like i don't need some big production or a bunch of gifts and stuff like that you know, Mother's you're, Day, though, you're right,
3: Ted. Mother's Day's different. What's always cracked me up about it is how it's like you're getting a gift. Basically, you're just buying yourself a gift. Like, I, they, for everyone who has kids that basically are 18 and under, it's not like they have their own money. So usually it's the dad either giving the kids money or the mom giving the kids money and then them going and buying a gift. And by the time they're up and out of the house, it's like Father's Day isn't even that big of a deal anymore.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Jared. I mean, I, I, I think dads should be acknowledged <laughs> just like moms do, you know, I've got a dad still alive, and, you know, he means the world to me. But the whole gift-giving thing, yeah, I think we all dads could do without that. It's just nice to get together. I know we're having a get-together at your uh, dad's house a Cookout on Sunday, yep. where my dad will be there and the rest of us. So it's just going to be fun to, to spend some family time. But as far as presents, it's kind of an unnecessary thing.
2: Yeah, I guess that's that's kind of what I was alluding to is I'd rather, you know, I'm, I'm far away from my family or whatever down here, but I, yeah, I'd rather get together for a cookout or something like that. It was a few times, um, some of my friends that are around here who also have kids, so celebrating Father's Day, we've gotten together like some friends having a cookout and stuff to like celebrate Father's Day. That's that, That's more for me. I mean, if they want to get me a present, that's fine. Or, you know, like my daughter, you know, makes me like a little card or, you know, yeah. something like that. So that's cute. I like that, but. Yeah, I don't need you to go buy me, like, a new driver or a box of golf balls. <laughs> you know, something like that. It's like, save your money. Let's just go do something.
3: That's what I want. So here's, like, guess, a question just centered to you, Ted, just because, I mean, okay. Matt's only been a father for four or five years, mm-hmm. uh, so he's only had four or five of these days. You've had, uh, I don't even know how many, 30-plus. Yes. Uh, is there, like, a certain gift that maybe stands out, maybe a worst gift that you've ever received and maybe a best one?
1: Uh, No. Every time the girls asked – what do you want for Father's Day? I'd always say world peace, but that never <laughs> seems to work out. <laughs> so I I tried to make it easy on them because I don't know about you, Matt. Maybe you're different because you seem to be a fashion guy, and I know Jared is. I don't like shopping for clothes, so any time that I can get a nice golf shirt or maybe some new Dockers or something that I don't have to go shop for, I always tell them you know, I'm always into clothes, and they have better taste than I have anyway. So... That's kind of where I stand. And I don't—I can't really think ever of a bad gift, to tell you the truth.
2: <laughs> no, I think, yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Because uh, I, I do remember my, my dad was similar. Like, my mom or sisters or something bought him clothes. I think he liked it. But my, it's funny you say that because my wife does make comments like that. Because I do a lot of my own shopping kind of, I guess, as far <laughs> as clothes. So, like, when she mentions that, she'll be like, when I look for something, you already have, like, shorts or your golf shirts or yep. shirts for work or whatever. But I'm like, well, then I'll take more. I'll always take, I'll always take more golf shirts or I'll always take more basketball shorts or whatever. So,
1: sure.
2: Yeah, that is kind of funny. Father's Day is still fun, though. I mean, if you guys are all getting together for a cookout and what you want, and that's going to be a blast.
1: Absolutely, we just want the weather to cooperate. That's what we want right yeah. now. <laughs> well, before we move on to some of our special guest guys, there are some interesting sports things yep. that are going on right now. Who wants to start but that wait, out?
2: Wait, let me let me tie off the Father's Day though. Okay. Jared teed it up. So what, Jared? Have you given some dud Father's Day presents to your dad, or like what? Have, well, you, have you swung and missed on Father's Day? Where did that question come from?
3: Well, to be honest, the th- kind of a not necessarily a gag gift that I was going to get him this year. But that it's been kind of – that me and my brothers, excuse me, we're going to – and I – this is sort of my – I'm not going to lie, it's me spearheading this idea. He's a huge – and we've talked about actually, I guess, on this show – Miley Cyrus, huge Miley Cyrus fan. So I was, so I was always like, man, like, it's kind of funny. You know, sort of be funny, but he'd yeah. also, like, deep inside probably love it and eh. – uh, but she's only performing four times, like, this year. And the closest she is is Chicago at Lollapalooza, which is a whole festival. So I had to go the backup route, uh, which gift will be uh, unveiled on Sunday on Father's Day. But in terms of, like, a worst gift, man, I mean, I feel like there's probably been a solid 15 of the 22 years I've been alive. Probably there hasn't been a gift at all. So I think that's probably about, that's probably about the worst gifts you've seen. Here's
1: a card I made for you, Dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you get to the point too, where I mean, like, maybe your dad would be fine with don't even try and give him a gift if that's what it's gonna be. Just you know, give give him a nice hug, tell him you love him, and then yeah, let's move on.
3: I think I think one I, he's not the biggest golf fan, so I think one year like me and him went uh, golfing, and I think he just was about hell on earth for him. So that's a pretty bad big gift too. Where basically it was his day, but we did what I wanted to do anyway. So
1: <laughs> Well, you know, you brought up the concert idea, and I don't know about you guys, but uh, we've kind of settled a little bit into that with our daughters, you know, like at Christmas time, so we can do something together. We we've come up with uh, you know, we'll buy tickets for a concert that they might like to see. I know we had Paul McCartney tickets that we took Jessica and her husband to. You know, and my wife says, "Well, geez, you really think she'd be interested in Paul McCartney? It was the highlight concert of her life. I mean, she saw a Beatle, and, and he puts on an unbelievable show. And, and then we had Billy Joel tickets, which, by God, I don't understand this, canceled again this year at Comerica Park. We were all going to get together for that. And then come to find out, oh, is he taking off the year? No. Instead of playing Comerica Park in July, he's playing in. Uh, he's doing his first show of the season in first of august at fenway park so he's blowing off us <laughs> oh. detroiters and michiganders but but anyway I, I think those kind of gifts are kind of cool where you can buy kind of a, a a present that your children wouldn't really get on their own but then if you buy it and share it with them that it, it gets you more family time
2: no definitely that, that's what it comes to and that, that's what like my siblings or like my parents have even said like we'll, we'll buy my parents like either concert tickets or for a show you know like a broadway show yeah. or or like gift cards to a certain restaurant. And they say that sometimes, like, I would have never thought to do this. So I'm glad you guys bought these for us. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, a nice tie or something is, you know, that only goes so far.
4: So <laughs> but
3: Jared, maybe,
2: maybe you're, you're – I'm curious to hear what the secret gift is that you're getting your dad.
3: Maybe it's going to be a hit. It's nothing on the level of a concert, I'll tell you that much. So it's 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 the level B gift, I'll say that
1: much. It's a few bags of mulch, and you'll lay it in the yard, right? <laughs>
3: yeah. Yep. i right. just this is kind of something I've been thinking about. It, it's kind of funny how it's been pestering in my mind or festering in my mind for about the last like week or so since we went over to your house. Uh He's he's got like maybe seven bags of mulch, um, that he said he quote unquote doesn't have time for. I kid you not. I spread 50 bags of mulch on the, later that day after I left there in about 30 minutes. So you just kind of haven't gotten around to the uh, spreading, or
1: well, well, if you're going to give it to me, I, I didn't hear my nephew volunteer to spread them for me. That's all I know.
3: <laughs> I mean, I could have done it right there and been in there in about two minutes. So but...
1: you, you didn't mention it; I would have said, "Go, go for it." <laughs> I got well, ten I mean, more yeah, bags. He heads there.
2: in the water, looking for
1: his wife's glasses.
2: <laughs> yeah. All in a Wausau softball game. Exactly. his pontoon, <laughs> doesn't have time to spread mulch. That, that should
3: be your job.
1: Yeah, my pontoon's not working yet. Oh God! All right. We got, we got to get a couple sports topics yeah. out here before we wrap up the uh, open what do you, where do you, where do you want to start
3: can we just talk about the NBA injuries oh my is God. it so LeBron put out the big the big post earlier today how it's you know basically it's the NBA's fault this isn't luck it's because they had so l- l- like little rest and you know all the games they've played in the last like two years mm-hmm. um I think that has a little bit to do with it but it's also just like unlucky sometimes I mean Kyrie Irving nothing you're gonna do is Step gonna an stop ankle. him from stepping on an ankle yeah. things like that you can't hurt but is there anyone who's more just unlucky than Chris Paul every time he gets rolling in the playoffs it's like clockwork something is going to happen it's usually an injury this time it's it's COVID you mean Matt's favorite player
2: (laughs) it's karma it's karma he deserves it (laughs) oh the his the history of his hitting dudes below the belt or you remember you definitely remember Jared a few years ago when he was feeling himself with the Rockets and he hit that three in Steph Curry's face and he started doing the Steph Curry shimmy. That was awesome. Like two plays later, he blew his hammy out. It, yeah. It's karma, dude. He, he, he runs his mouth. He's, he's one of the best point guards ever. I'm not taking anything away from him there. But he runs his mouth. He hits dudes below the belt. He trips guys. He shoves guys. He throws elbows. So I don't feel bad for him at all if he got COVID. I mean, I hope he's, hope he's fine. But <laughs> no, it, it's not unlucky. He, he wrote his own. What, what is it? Like he dug his own grave. He did it to himself.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. I mean, I have I have thoughts on the whole COVID thing, and it just I know for personal rights, they don't have to tell you if they took a shot or not. But I just don't get it. I mean, you you have millions of dollars on the line. Why would you risk yourself losing money by if you lose this round, you're going to lose money? Get the damn vaccine.
2: That's what's weird is that I, I guess apparently I forget if it was Jalen Rose or someone on a show I saw a clip said that he is vaccinated. So like oh. three. So yeah, I don't like the whole indefinitely thing. I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday night, so maybe by the time this drops, like we'll we'll know for sure. Like he may be back for the next series. This, this may yeah. just be a one or two game indefinite suspension or whatever. So I guess we'll see. Let's but hope so. I, I say all that about CP3, but like I'm, I, I hope he's healthy because the Suns are super fun to watch yeah, when he's are. healthy, and it would just be another like if he's out. I mean. I don't know who you would say is the favorite in the West because now Kawhi Leonard might be out. I mean, he might have a torn ACL, so he might be out for the rest of the season. So that messes with the Clippers. So now what are you saying? Maybe the Jazz? So, like, Mike Conley, I thought Mike Conley is out. So, like, he's hurt, and it's just a mess. I mean, hey, you said Kyrie. James Harden clearly isn't 100%. What's crazy is the one dude who does look like he's almost better than he ever has been is Kevin Durant, who's coming off a blown Achilles. And he looks like, you know, no effects from that. So it's just a weird season for sure.
3: The the Kevin Durant game, yes, I give Kevin Durant tons of credit. But the, the my biggest takeaway from that game was not we, – we know Kevin Durant can fill it up. And, you know, obviously this was big to his legacy and everything like that. But how about Giannis? It cracks me up how after the game oh. he says, I'm ready for the challenge cool. in game six to guard Kevin Durant. You are an MVP – uh, like defensive play, like on the all NBA defensive team, how does it never like it just cracks me up? I just picture it like in my head. Kevin Durant's point total going from 20, 30, 40, and just like Giannis and, and Coach Budenholzer saying, like, no, it's not, not your time yet. We, we, we don't need you to cover him yet. You're not ready for the challenge. Hmm. It's like, I just don't under – how in God's green earth. And we saw the same thing in Last Dance, where it's like Gary Payton, the right. best guard defender maybe ever. Yeah, we're just not going to have him guard Michael Jordan. I, I don't understand. It's not like Giannis is some dominant offensive player. Put him on Kevin Durant, and if, if Kevin Durant still ends up going off for 49, then I can live with it. But just how do, like, I don't understand how you just
1: don't have him guard him. seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, especially because, especially yeah, I mean, you laid it out like his resume. All defensive team, he was a defensive player of the year last year, and he's like the one guy who as far as like his length, his wingspan, all that kind of stuff could probably actually match up with Durant. Instead, they've got P.J. Tucker on him who – you know, as a strong defender, but to me, it looks like a JV player versus a varsity player, and it, like they, someone broke down the stats. Like Chris Middleton, Pat Connaughton, and someone else were the only guys who guarded Kevin Durant in the second half of that last game. I don't know how. I don't care if your coach in the huddle is saying like, no, this is PJ Tucker. You know, he's got him. Giannis, you go over here. Kobe wouldn't let that roll. That Draymond Green eventually would say, No, no, no. I'm I I got this, I'm stepping up. You know, Michael Jordan, all these guys would say, like, No, I don't care. Sorry, DJ, yeah. you're getting cooked. I'm at least giving this a shot. Like that's I I, I don't know. Giannis I, I, is you know, he's an incredible talent, but that's one thing where he's still young, so, you know, maybe something changes. But that's like the one thing where I'm like, I don't see him ever like carrying a team to a championship. I mean, he could have taken that game over like Durant did. Durant took that game over. And Giannis kind of, like, faded
3: away. So I like to picture it as, like, almost like they're all, like, in the huddle right before the fourth quarter. And, like, Coach Bud just, like, going through, like, looking everybody in the eyes, like, hey, we need somebody to shut down Kevin Durant. Like, kind of goes from guy to guy looking them in the eyes. And then just yells, like, Pat. Like, Connaughton comes from – out of his warm-ups to come and guard Kevin Durant. Put Giannis on him. Right. I, I just don't understand it. Uh, but I'll be the first one to say it. If the NBA Finals ends up being the Utah Jazz versus anyone other than the Brooklyn Nets, I, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I mean, is there? can you drop a worse Finals than the Utah Jazz? B- yeah.
1: yeah, I want Suns and Nets. That's, that's yeah. the marquee one for me. I'll tell you guys one thing. You know, you made fun of me before for DVR, DVR and games and stuff, but I probably this playoff season in the NBA have watched more – NBA action than I ever have in my life. Part of it is I work from home a good portion, good portion of the time. That late game that starts at ten o'clock ain't ever gonna happen. <laughs> I'm staying awake for that, but I record it. I record it in my office in the basement. I get up, get my cup of coffee, put the game on nice. while I'm doing work, and I still it's just like watching it live. It's it's incredible, you know, and it's it's just so funny how the NBA their games they're rarely over. You know, I mean it always yeah. seems to come right down to the stretch. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I mean, they, yeah, that the game we're talking about, the Bucks were up, what, like 17 or 20 points, almost like the whole game, and then all of a sudden Durant just started going off, so, yeah, yeah that's it, 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 the NBA is like a game of runs, like, like you said, no game is ever over, but I think we're all hoping for a healthy Suns team yeah. versus yep. a healthy Nets team, that's what we want to see in the NBA Finals.
1: Amen. All right, we got a really packed show, guys, but before we move on uh, to our first guest, U.S. Open's coming up. Yep. You got an early prediction, Jared. You're a golf guy. So the
3: big storyline coming out of this is it's Bryson versus Brooks, uh, and the story came out that basically, the for one, I don't understand why the USGA feels the right? needs to ask like the players, like, "Hey, do you want to get paired with this guy?" Right. That that shouldn't be that should be 100 up to you. And what's going to drive ratings is pairing these two together.s uh, and apparently from what I've heard is the USGA asked, uh, Bryson, he said he didn't want to be paired with Brooks. And then Bryson's agent came out and said that that wasn't what happened. I don't know. I feel like I have to believe the USGA on that one, but regardless, just pair them together anyway. But the, the, this is taking place at a municipal golf sport golf course, excuse me, uh, basically open to the public, um, Torrey pines, which oh, is, really? if you remember tiger woods versus Rocco Mediate, uh, 2008, like extra day where they had to come back and play another 18, Tiger had the torn ACL. So it's just got a lot of history to it and it's a great course and without Tiger, yeah, it loses a little bit of luster, but I think that this whole Brooks versus Bryson thing, if they somehow can be in them both be in the mix coming down to Sunday, I mean it's gonna be must watch television.
2: You're not rolling with John Rahm coming off COVID?
3: I love John Rahm too. I, I, I don't know if I had to necessarily I haven't really looked into the gambling lines yet of it. Um, I normally do that Thursday morning the day of, but I don't know how you go against Brooks Kepka. I just got a good feeling that he's going to be ready to go, and I just think everything that's been going on in the news lately surrounding him as where some players like Bryson might be a distraction. I feel like it almost like zooms him in. Or, yeah.
1: So I love the feud thing, and I love his side of it. I mean, ESPN did a outside the lines little segment on it that was that was pretty hilarious. The yeah. whole feud, <laughs> and that that's what golf needs. You know, without Tiger, you got to have something to yeah. put a little little pizzazz in it.
2: I was just going to say, you do think? I mean, you mentioned Tiger. Obviously, Tiger was bigger he was the michael jordan of golf but there was that little bit of a feud with him and phil so that kind right. of helped
1: yep. yeah like
2: if, if tiger was just dominating it probably actually would have got a little boring because it would have been like this dude just winning all the time but even there, there was that minute with david duvall where david Duval yep. was going to maybe be competing with him but yeah the, the phil tiger thing definitely like carried that for a while so yeah hopefully brooks and bryson kind
1: of keep it going yeah hey, hey. Don't count lefty out here in the U.S. Open either. Yeah, and here's what I'll say
3: about Brooks and Bryce. A lot of people hate Bryce. If you – like, he has a YouTube channel and does a lot of other kind of, like, cool stuff like that. Yeah, he's maybe a little bit of, like, scared to go against Brooks and sort of, like, kind of shies away from it, and that sort of is annoying. But overall, I like him. I mean, he kind of just is, like, he's himself, and he doesn't care if it bothers you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of just, like, a little bit of a nerd, like, quirky-type guy that can just bomb it. And, and then Brooks is pretty much just the absolute opposite of that, you know, the guy – just doesn't really take golf super duper seriously or at least like on the surface it seems that way sort of like a jock uh, former football player and so it's just funny to see them both kind of collide and i'm on the fence where i say i like both these guys
1: all right well it'll be a lot of fun to watch coming up on sunday and uh here on the podcast we have joe smith joe ellen smith the head coach of the oasso trojans coming up next right after this The Hankard Sportswear team pride themselves by giving a good product at a great value. The area's go-to clothing and more printing business with many loyal customers. They do it by providing a 100% guarantee to satisfy your expectations. Hankard Sportswear always have Owasso, Corona, and St. Paul School Spirit items in stock. Also, special items for family, sporting, business, and charity events. Call them at 989 725 2979. Stop on into the store on Exchange Street in downtown Owasso and follow them on Facebook at Hanker.Sportswear. Advanced Elevator Company are experts in the elevator business. They have the very best trained professional field technicians in project management for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan. The Janka family, longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools, advanced elevator company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce.
0: Great news to report Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500 square foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an atv furniture it goes inside go to sheridanauctionservice.com to see more more importantly stop down and see us at 1007 south washington street you'll do better with sheridan good afternoon troy Crowe here with sheridan realty and auction company just want to say good luck this afternoon to the Owasso trojan softball team go trojans
1: well, next up on the podcast, i uh, very excited about this because I'll tell you what, I, I, I broadcast a lot of high school events, but this softball team that Owasso has has got me tickled, and I've got the head coach on the line to talk with us fellas, Joellen Smith, and first of all, Joe, uh, wow, your last two games have been just incredible, and let's start with uh, the quarterfinal win down in Battle Creek, uh, a game that is posted here at Three Point Podcast. Just uh, what was going through your mind there heading to the seventh inning, two outs you know uh, you're over there at third base coaching what was, what was going on in Joellen Smith's mind?
5: I mean what we did in regionals was amazing and I just thought these kids they want it you know and I've already we, already, we always played till the last out so I don't know I really didn't feel nervous I <laughs> you know I really didn't it's strange. But well yeah these had- guys are gamers.
3: Yeah, I mean, you had to feel good just look, listening to the broadcast and then just following kind of your guys' story. I mean, Nevaeh Ginger, uh, she had the big hit, the double, um, in the game two days or two games ago, and then she also had the walk-off uh, just a couple days ago. I mean, was she like a robot or something? It seems like in these, like, clutch situations she just doesn't blink.
5: Yeah, she is a whipple, which makes her a competitor, which I think in the, over in regional somebody said – Uh, strike her out, and we're finished, and she said, we're not finished. And that's when she hit the ball in regionals, and I said the same thing to her when she came up to bat in the eighth inning, you know, hey, Nevaeh, we're not finished. And there's just something that clicks in there, just like her grandpa.
1: Yeah. Well, she came through in the clutch for sure. Now, which Whipple is her grandpa?
5: Bill, Bill, Bill. Billy. Bill, yeah, Billy. All right. Yeah, so she's a Whipple through and through, and uh, they're big ball people, so – she has a lot of softball instinct.
1: Well, well, I'll throw another quick question out to you because I was super impressed. I mean, it's a nice facility down there in Battle Creek, but uh, the uh, Trojan fan base really traveled well, and I'm assuming it will be even more over at Michigan State. What do you, what do you got to say about the fans there cheering them on?
5: They're excited. They're excited. <laughs> they love it. They, we've always had a good fan base. You know, They have followed us well, win or lose, and uh, it was amazing. That's all I can say. It was amazing. People I haven't seen in years, some of my old players, Alumni, it was just
2: it was amazing. Coach, I always ask when we've talked to some some coaches from around the Mid Michigan area, uh, the three of us on the podcast. We grew up in Corona, and we always talk about how cool it is to see the community support. Kind of what Ted just asked you, how special it is for you and the players to see those fans in the community following you guys around through this tournament run. Well, uh, the
5: kids can't believe it. They look around and they they are just awed by them and. Pleased that they follow I mean every kid had a parent and relatives there you can't say enough for them you know that's what that's what Awaso is about is the support and so the kids are very pleased and I think they don't want to disappoint them
1: Well, I'll tell you what, they haven't so far, that's for sure, and you still got a little business to take care of. Uh, This is the deepest run in Trojan uh, softball history, and, I mean, you have an illustrious career. You had a great matchup coaching-wise yesterday against your counterpart there from Wayland, but, uh, you know, 800 wins, 38 years. I mean, I I pointed it out in the podcast broadcast that uh, the Owasso softball program has only been coached by two people, yourself and uh, Denny Hill. I mean, what's that say? And and what did she mean to you as a youngster coming through the system?
5: Well, she was she was Owasso women's sports. She was the person that told us that we title nine that we could play and that we were equal to the guys. She was definitely uh, we called her Ma. Once you got past <laughs> the gruff side of her, uh, she just took care of us, and she was us. Uh, Athlete, she was our idol. It was, it's amazing. I tell that story, too, that just two coaches in a lot of softball history, and that's, that in itself is amazing.
3: Yeah, that is really impressive. You've been doing it for, like Ted just said, 38 years. Uh, if you could maybe go back and talk to yourself in those first few seasons that you were a coach all the way back in the like, mid-'80s, uh, what would you maybe change about your coaching style back then?
5: Well, the biggest thing I changed in my coaching style when I was young is that I came from playing college ball, and I came from playing very competitive summer ball, mm-hmm. and I was used to winning, and I thought, and it took me seven years, and I tell my coaches now that I'm in the athletic department, I say it takes about seven years till you figure out these kids, they're not trying to make mistakes. They want to win as bad as you do, but when you come from something, you know, that just always wins mm-hmm. and that it just seems like, I don't know, that's what the big my biggest lesson was they want to win as much as I want to win. Yeah. So it changed the way I coached when I realized that. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's really cool to hear. And it, it's always fun probably to look back and think about how you used to coach, maybe how you would have changed things or what, what kind of coach you are now. I wanted to ask you about coaching at Owasso. And this isn't a shot because I'm a Karana alum. You know, Owasso, Karana, some of those smaller towns in mid-Michigan – not necessarily like the biggest talent pool as maybe like some of the bigger city schools, like in Grand Rapids or Detroit, or, you know, in different areas. And I wanted to ask, you've had a ton of success. What does it take to sustain the amount of success that you've had? Because you're going to have those years where maybe your team's just really young because you've had a lot of seniors graduate or maybe just, you know, talent might be a little down one year, but you've had a ton of success year in and year out. What does it take every year to kind of have that grind and to really be successful every year. Well, it takes
5: consistency. I mean, you got to tell them what you believe in and, and stick with it. It takes, I mean, recently the travel ball has been huge. I mean, I haven't, this team I'm talking about now, I have not had 14 player players, and these kids are all players. I mean, I go 14 deep in my roster, and, and they're strong. But the consistency is I honestly think the coaching staff, I mean, my assistant coach and my husband, who's the other assistant coach, have been around uh, 38 and 20 years. And it just takes belief, beliefs, and sticking to your beliefs and teaching the kids about life as well as softball.
1: You know, Joe, when, and that, that's a very good point. You know, when we caught up uh, before the game, I said hello, and I said, man, what an atmosphere this is. Doesn't this remind you of back in your playing days? And we got to go back just a little bit here while we got you on. Going back to your youth, you know, you grew up by Bennett Field. I mean, you pretty much lived at Bennett Field as a young girl. Uh, you learned the game of softball, and everybody knows it It starts in the circle, the pitcher. And you learned to be a good pitcher, and I know you mentioned to me Don Jurassic was one of your main mentors. And uh, just tell us a little bit about being a youth, you know, growing up in the, in the softball community and, and you know, leading it to college softball, as you mentioned, you met your husband there. Just kind of walk us through uh, the evolution of Joe Smith as a player prior to being a coach.
5: Well, I believe it started with my brothers being bat boys uh, <laughs> for uh, one of the teams down there, and I remember them going to Petoskey in the state and being bat boys, and it just it awed me, and it uh, the whole game just awed me. I never took my eyes off the game. I never quit learning, and I remember in in high school. We would go down and we'd do pickup games at Bennett Field. I'd be the only girl but I would be the pitcher and I was very successful and the guys so were so respectful and so appreciative and that's really what got me going and then I got a hold of Diddy Hill at at the high school and we had we had success at the high school and it was just a great experience. There was nothing like Bennett Field in the summer. Um, I think at one point there were sixty four fast pitch teams down there, class A to a double D. And it was just uh, it was amazing. I mean, anybody that was around back then, you say Bennett Field, and they'll know that there's some really, really good memories and good times and watching Brad Van Pelt down there and all you guys play. It was just amazing. From there, after, after high school, I went to Grand Valley and played uh, for four years. And then we got on a, a team. I walked onto an amazing team that we played 20 years of uh, Women's fast pitch softball won a national championship. But mm-hmm. uh, right after I had my daughter in 83, she was two years old, is when I started coaching Owasso High School. So just the love of the game brought yeah. me to the coaching part of
3: it. So at this point, you've coached for 38 years. I was looking back at some of uh, some past articles I've been written about you. You achieved your 600th win in 2012, your 800th in 2021. So do you think you have nine more years than you to maybe reach 1,000? Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
5: Um, that was going to take me nine more years.
3: (laughs) That's just, that's on On average. average. That's average. That's
5: the on average. Yep. Well, I tell you what, I, you know, I love coaching. I'm in good health. As long as I love it and as long as I can do it, I I don't see me not doing it in the near future. Oh, that's I have a granddaughter that's playing some travel ball right now that's nine years old. And how cool would that be if I was a coach when she came
1: up there. No, oh, we're all for that. You know, before we let you go here, Joel, we do appreciate the time, let's give some love uh, individually to your team here. Tell us a little bit about uh, your uh, your lineup and maybe just a quick little thumbnail sketch of them, starting with your leadoff hitter, Lexi Hemker.
5: Yeah, my leadoff hitter, a little freshman, Lexi Hemker. Um, i tell you what, COVID had a lot to do with my lineup. I mean, Lexi, at the beginning of the year, was just a good player, but I thought she'd end up on my JV team, and she has just grown and become a huge varsity player. So as COVID went through our team, we got to look at some new players, and uh, she started, I think she was down in the lineup, and she just has great at bat. so she moved up to the top of the lineup. Uh, my second hitter, Maddie Rainey, is my senior, and she actually was in probably the sixth spot, and then we're uh, struggling at the second spot, and probably the last ten games she's been there, and wow, that was a huge move, a great move. My third spot, of course, is uh, my pitcher, Macy, and she's batting almost 600. Wren Tuttle comes to us from a baseball background. She played baseball in high school as a freshman, so she's really only played softball two years out of her life, and uh, she's an athlete. If she would have played softball her whole life, she really probably could play college ball, and she probably still could. My fifth hitter, Jamie Mayer, my shortstop, uh, is just a clown and a hell of a player and a true shortstop that I haven't had in a while, and she brings a lot to the team um, more than just her athletic ability. She brings some calmness, some funniness, some, you know, just a good kid. Uh, seventh can go either. A, my sixth six hitter can be Kendall Anderson, who's my catcher. Who Kendall, um, I tell you what, she handles Macy, and nobody understands what that means, but <laughs> that's huge. And she has really come around with her bat. Kendall Anderson plays right field for me, and she switches in there and out, and she's using my seventh hitter. And Kendall's a junior who was very, very strong. She had an injury in the middle of the season and has coming back strong. Then I have Nevaeh, my little senior outfielder who's played with me for four years.
4: Clutch. Used to be my
5: second hitter, but she seems to excel down in the lineup a little bit. And then my little freshman uh, left fielder, Reese Thayer, who has been a great surprise. She's actually been my COVID kid who's taken over all the positions, she's been in yeah, everything but pitch for me this year when people are out with the COVID. Then I have Sydney Summers, my third baseman, who goes you know on notice sometimes, but she's only a sophomore, and she will be my catcher next year. So really some excitement and some young blood in my bench. Like I said, my bench is strong. i got a couple injured kids that are freshmen, sophomore, and I can't wait to get them back in the lineup next year. So it's very exciting.
1: Yeah, and uh, Emily Pumford came off the bench as you were talking oh, about your bench man. players, had a big hit for you.
5: Yeah, I mean, Emily's. It's Emily was one of those kids that I, I know what she can do, and she's one of those kids that just somehow didn't get in the line. I mean, she did during the year, but since the postseason, she hasn't really been in the lineup. But I know that if I put her up there to bat, that she's going to have a great at bat. She has every time I've done it, and she will definitely be huge in my lineup next year.
1: Well, we'll leave it here as far as questions for you, Joe. we got to have one more comment or two from you on your uh, pitcher Macy Ireland, I mean, now 34-3, and three. She's she's been the pitcher of record every game. Uh, one question I got to start off was, how did she not pitch that one inning that she didn't pitch all season long, number one, and then tell us a little bit more about uh, how special she is as a junior, and, uh, you know, she had a little bit of a shaky start yesterday, but bounced back and, and got back into the groove with 16 Ks. Yeah, well, the
5: one inning she didn't pitch is that I, I, and I the JV pitcher is still with me, and now she's fouled. A varsity player, and we are heading in the game by quite a few runs. And I thought that Mara needed my JV pitcher,
1: uh-huh. it was a good
5: experience for her to get out on the mound for an inning and uh, <laughs> pitch at the varsity level. So that's the one inning she lost. All right,
1: <laughs> she lost her perfect um, attendance. Yeah,
5: <laughs> Yep. she, yep, she got taken out of the game for the first time. <laughs> so um, as a, you know, what, she was just phenomenal as a freshman. Uh, we lost that sophomore year, which is huge in my mind as a coach. That's one of the biggest years. So actually, I, I'm working with the mental part of her right now um, as a junior, which I should have done that as a, as a sophomore. But she has such she has such great speed and such great stuff, and she has so much more potential than what you've seen. I'm working a little bit on her mental stuff and a little bit on the finesse, but as far as the pitching goes, she, she's the real thing.
1: And she's committed to Kent State, right?
5: She's verbally committed, Verbal. correct.
1: Okay. Well, I'm sure there'll be a few other schools knocking on the door, so that when it's time to sign her, they better do it right away.
5: Yes, I believe that's true. I, the Kent State coach was there at Regionals, and he seems like a really nice, humble guy. So, you know, it could be a great place
1: for her. Good deal. Well, listen, we want to wish you the best of luck. You got the uh, Thursday morning game against Gaylord, only one loss on the season. Should be another heck of a great battle over there at MSU. We just want to wish you the best of luck, Joe, and uh, go get them. And uh, it'll be another three-point podcast special, by the way. I
5: appreciate that. All right, thanks, guys. Nice talking to you.
1: Thank you. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service can help you with many homeowner items, including skid steer work, footings, gravel work, and property maintenance. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, they're also experts in tree removals, including stump grinding fully insured and no job too big or too small. Call Kyle Jones of JJ's Excavating and Tree Service at 989-277-9059 to set up a free estimate and tell him Three Point Podcast sent you. Nelson House Funeral Homes' top goal is to serve the families in our community. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesonine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234.
2: All right, let's keep this podcast moving. Uh, The next guest that we have on is Chuck Oseka, the current Corona baseball head coach, another district championship for the Cavaliers. Chuck, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you about the season. Uh, I guess first of all, I just want to ask you, you know, as you sit back after that that district championship and, you know, a couple weeks after your your season ended, after the crazy 2020 year and everything that went on there, when you look back on this, this season that just wrapped up, What's kind of your your reflection, I guess? How do you kind of sum up the season that you guys just had? We kind of knew going in that
6: that we had a pretty good team coming in. Um, We didn't know how well we started the season with the 2020 season being lost. Um, We were senior heavy. We had eight seniors this year. And I think our goal was that we knew what we had. So if we started in in April, we started a little slow, but we thought – once May came around, once we got into our schedule, once guys started started getting in routine, that that we'd be pretty good.
1: You know, you mentioned eight seniors, uh, and we also talked a little bit about last year was wiped out. Of course, COVID just started in March in 2020, and you know uh, there was so many unknowns. And then the whole spring season, both uh, track and baseball and softball, all got wiped out. Let's let's go there. Let's go back in time just a little bit. What 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 was going on with you? I mean, how disappointed, how upset, how angry were you that outdoor sports weren't allowed to be played, or did you go along with it because of all the unknowns?
6: Well, uh, with all the unknowns, we kind of went along with it. Um, at the beginning, we didn't quite realize, I guess, their season was gonna be canceled altogether. At that time, we had we had a pretty young team with a lot of talent, and then you know. You, at the time, you just, I don't think our season was actually canceled all together until May. Uh, so there's still that glimmer of hope that was uh, hanging around. And then once the reality of the whole thing kind of set in, I think it, it hit a lot of the guys, it hit a lot of our coaches, realizing that that we're going to lose out on pretty talented uh, juniors that we thought we'd have two years with to kind of build something. But I mean, as now you just kind of take it in stride, and, and it's it was part of life, and you deal with it, and you move on, and and that's a lot of a lot of ironically the game of baseball. I mean, you, you make a mistake, you move on, you, next play, next pitch. Uh, so it, I mean, yes, it was disappointing, um, but I think for the health and safety of everyone, it, it it was much needed.
3: So you've done a nice job of building a solid program here the last like four or five six years that you've been the coach. I mean, a regional championship four years ago, district championship this year. Uh, but another exciting thing that's kind of coming along with this program that's on the rise is uh, kind of a new field that's coming in with the new bond that Corona just passed. Uh, do you want to maybe explain like, what the changes are going to be? Because from what I've heard, it sounds like it's going to be almost like a mini Fenway Park.
6: From the sounds of it and from the drawings I saw from um, your dad, John,
3: yep.
0: uh,
6: <laughs> what they're going to do is where the entrance is by the home dugout, they're going to take that fence right into the foul line. So you're going to have probably eight to ten feet from the foul line to the fence, and it's going to go right down the left field. They're bringing the the left field fence, which is 310 right now, into 280. So from uh, left center field to the left foul pole, you're going to have a 280 fence with a 16 foot eye <laughs> fence. So um, it'll be it'll be a mini Fenway replica, I guess you can say, and and it's kind of exciting for the baseball program, a little bit of change, and and I. I'd, um some of our guys are excited about it, especially the guys who can't hit home runs now. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it plays out.
3: Yeah, I have to jump in. What do you think about, I mean, that's always been one of my biggest complaints about at least how the field used to be constructed, is a lot of these high school fields, I feel like they need to move the fence in because at the end of the day, I feel like the most exciting thing in baseball and what kids love to do more than anything in the world is hit a home run. Do you think that's like a problem? Where is that something you run into at other stadiums or is that maybe just a problem at Corona?
6: As far as the fencing,
3: yeah, like it being a, a huge outfield. Uh,
6: we're about three ten. I, I guess I'm different than you are, Jared. I'm more of a pitching defensive guy. All right. and I think a home run's something that should be earned. And I guess I played in, on that field when there wasn't a short fence. It was just the uh, the big fence. <laughs> and so I mean, yeah, the the home run is is what's exciting. And when we take BPR guys, you know, try to hit home runs, but on our field, it really hasn't. I think this year Jack Belmer had two home runs, and those are, those are ironically, the, the first
2: two home runs that have been hit since my uh, seven years coaching there. Wow. Wow. I was, I was going to say, Chuck, uh, I, I kind of buried the lead here. I didn't mention that. I mean, I grew up, my, my older brother played with you, you know, so I, I've been yeah. watching you and, you know, those guys uh, play since you guys were playing, like, Little League, Junior Pony, and Pony League ball. And whenever I hear about the fences moving – I remember you guys playing those those mid '90s Corona teams when the fences were deep. I mean, it took. Yeah. I, I remember seeing like Gary's ego hitting bombs to left field off the roof of the house over there in left field. Mike Jackson and you know all you guys hitting those balls. You probably would have hit about 40 more home runs some of those teams if you were playing with those shorter fences. Do you ever think about that? Yeah, I, I,
6: at times you know kids would talk about it and I, I said, man, if you guys we would have this short fence when we would have played. I mean. Diego would probably had 25 home runs a year. I mean, it's just crazy <laughs> to think about that. I mean, hitting, on the, hitting, hitting the house across the road and, and hitting balls. He hit one out on the outer right field onto the bathrooms over there at the football field. One yeah. day, too. So it's, uh it's, it's quite the change, but you know, home run and, and the big fly is what's what about with the younger kids and it's all about launch angle and exit velocity. And so it, it, the game's changing a little bit. Um, I'm still, I'm still a old school guy, and I still preach pitching and defense, and I think that's what's, what wins games. So,
3: <laughs> so you you talked about being old school, and we're, I mean we're on the topic of home runs. The one of the biggest stories this year in the MLB is the pimping of home runs. Uh, I mean Tatis in San Diego. Let's say that one of your players pulled uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and pimped a home run. What what would you maybe say to him in the dugout? <laughs>
6: uh, I'd probably just you know act like you've done it before. I know it's a big it's a big deal, um, but at times you get you got to let kids have fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it's still a kid's game, it, and even though you know a lot of the MLB guys are younger now, you know when I I grew up with with the Cal Jr. and Derek Jeter um, era, and, and but now it's it's a, it's a young game. I mean, you got to have let kids have fun. It's a hard game. Um, when they're successful, you got to let them enjoy it. It's, that's kind of the way it's going right now.
1: You know, Chuck, looking at uh, the baseball season in Michigan, have you ever thought or where do you stand on maybe delaying the season, you know, a couple weeks or three weeks and maybe extending it longer so you have better weather?
4: I think
6: the, the issue you're going to run into, and, and we have a couple guys on our team right now, is you're going to run into the travel season. Mm-hmm. Right now you you can't play on a high school team and a travel team at the same time. You can practice, but you can't compete. Uh, so we kind of run into that, and then – we ran into a little bit this year with with our guys, with the run to the regional final, but it we lose some games at the beginning of the year and and that's fine. We usually make them up towards the end, and it just back backlogs our, our schedule a little bit. in the end of May, where we play you know two or three doubleheaders a week, but I mean at that point the the weather's nice, the, the kids are in good shape arm wise,
2: um, and they just want to play. Chuck, I I brought up those mid nineties baseball teams and and when we decided when when you said that you could come on the podcast I had to ask about uh, Tony Bohack. And I'm I'm curious to hear I mean, he had Corona Baseball was one of the best programs, at least in the area, maybe in the state when Coach Bohack was was coaching the team and you know all about that. And then you you know, you're around Brian Osborne and you saw like maybe you learned a little bit from him when he came to coach at Corona. I'm just curious maybe what you can say you learned and that you you use right now as a coach stuff that you've learned from Coach Bohack, and then maybe even from uh, Brian Osborne when he was a coach. With both of them, guys, I mean, I think the big thing is to be fair. I mean, be fair and
6: honest with kids. And you know, when Brian got hired in 2004, that's kind of when I hopped on board with the assistant. I was his assistant 2004 2013 until I got the varsity job in 2014. And I mean, those guys are—they just, you know, you, you teach the game, you teach life. The kids um, you make that kind of an extension of life you know and Tony's been Tony's been a big big help with me and, and those two guys have been there whenever I need anything you know if, if I need something give me a call and it's kind of funny in the our 2017 district we beat Owasso it, I think the first phone call I got was from Tony Black and, <laughs> and him being a former Owasso alumni it, it was kind of interesting but he's always there and, and even this year we won the district I mean the first text, one of the first texts I got was from Tony Boak Said, "Hey, Chuck, give me a call when you get a minute." You know, so so that's kind of cool um, that that he's still watching the program and and wants to see us do well. For for Brian Osborne, I mean, it, it, you know, I he's over at Fowlerville now, but it, it was kind of fun. We won our regional semifinal game at Fowlerville so against Dayton Rapids, oh, cool. and that was kind of a cool game. And and uh, he's always been. It it seems like kind of Fallerville always running somewhere. Same thing in 2017 when we won the regional final there. We beat Fowlerville at Eaton Rapids, so it was kind of kind of switched a little bit. But those guys have always been huge to me, and you know if I need anything, they've always been a big help. And and right there, if, if I have any questions.
1: Well, I got one more for you, Chuck. Uh, you have excellent success this year, obviously, and as Jared mentioned, uh, you've got the program going in the right direction without a doubt. It it takes a while to build a program, but it also takes a lot of time and effort. Uh, you know what do you need to do you know to make sure you're recruiting these kids from the hallways you're getting them uh you know playing summer ball travel ball like you mentioned for some of them that are, are that are talented enough how, how do you how do you you know feed your program to make sure they're still into it when they get up to the high school level
6: this day and age it, it's really tough um i mean i have i have a handful of kids who play travel ball but i mean you have so much stuff i mean you have AAU basketball you have travel basketball you have seven on sevens for football you have i mean it, it you name it you got it in the summer and these kids are, are pulled all over the place we usually what we usually end up doing with the baseball program is we usually run two days a week um just workouts probably tuesday thursdays and, and just leave it open for them kids i mean it i'm not there's a lot of stuff going on in the summer and on top of all the sports you got time, family time especially this year I mean, these kids have been for 12 months. I think have been on the go with with little to no breaks in between seasons with the COVID and, and all that. You know, it, and it's it's something that we talk about. And in in Michigan, your baseball season's kind of your I mean your off season is hitting inside in the cage mm-hmm. and taking ground balls off the gym floor. You know, you're throwing doing flat ground work bullpens inside in the gym. But you just have to, um, you know, we, we talk about it and, and let kids know that, hey, I mean, we're, we're pretty successful with limited to no off-season workouts. I mean, we, we leave that option to the kids um, and let them kind of do their thing once the season's over with. And if they want to get workouts, do workouts, they got my number. Um, you know, we have set time, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we go from there.
1: All right, well, I'll tell you what, uh, another great, successful Cavalier baseball season. Got really excited there in the tournament time, and uh, good job, as always, Chuck. We appreciate you taking the time out and look forward to another great season next spring. Keep it going.
6: Thank you, Ted. Yep. I, I would also like to um, wish good luck to Coach Smith and the Owasso tomorrow. Um, that's the exciting thing they got going on over there, and, and I think the whole Owasso community in Charlotte County has got to get on board with that team and, and kind of push them to the state title.
1: Amen, brother. They'll appreciate the words.
6: Yeah, no problem. You guys take care.
1: The Owasso Speedway has been building families and communities through the promotion of short track racing since 1939. Saturdays are race days at the Big O, with gates opening at 4, qualifying beginning at 5, and the waving of the green flag and racing at 7. The Owasso Speedway and its super-fast, bank 3 ths three-eighths-of-a-mile oval layout has thrills and action galore. Easy to get to on M21 between Owasso and Ovid. Stay up to date on upcoming features by following Owasso Speedway on Facebook at Owasso Speedway MI. It's family fun and you'll always be welcomed by the smiling faces at Owasso Speedway. The CoronaConnection.com staff knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. All Corona, all the time. Well, next up on the podcast, very very excited about this. Uh, I've kind of become and, and guys don't take it personally. I'm kind of a guy groupie of Shy Town, the local <laughs> band that yep. uh, you know the, the, the outstanding country band here locally. They have a brand new release, Run Me Through, and we'll start this interview off. We got the band on the phone here, so this could be kind of interesting logistically. But we got uh, bass player and vocalist Troy Napier on the on the phone with us. Troy, first of all, thanks for joining us. I I know from the notes you formed the band in 2015, but you're certainly no stranger to uh, playing in front of live crowds.
7: No, no, not at all. Actually, uh, three of the members who are a little more seasoned have been <laughs> playing for a long time.
1: Okay.
8: Too many gigs to mention. <laughs>
1: so,
3: so you've been in a lot of gigs, uh, I mean, especially, like you said, the three people who have been doing this for so long. Uh, is there maybe a fa- favorite venue or just maybe your favorite performance that you've ever had?
8: Wow. Oh, yeah. They're all so special to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the machine shop personally, oh, yeah. just for the feel of it. Yeah. And you know, Big Country Fest. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's nice for the people.
1: You know, Jared's a big country fan. I mean, you uh, are you going down to uh, the Speedway <laughs> no. this year? Or
3: no, what? not this year. Uh, I have uh, in the past couple years. Do you so I know that Luke Combs is kind of one of the main staples of guys that you uh, cover. Is there sort of like certain artists that you look for or a certain style that you hear and say like, hey, th- maybe this is something we should include in our like set list?
8: A lot of times it's more of, of what 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 are what are people listening to yeah. right now that uh, is as far away from pop country as we can get
2: <laughs>
1: um,
8: without playing um Haggard and Jones all night yeah. you know what I'm saying so but like a lot of the new
1: stuff that's out. Well, we've we've got on the phone here at least the voices I recognize so far, Troy Napier and Glenn Nation. Why don't you tell us about the other members of Chi-Town?
4: I'm uh, Jeff Vandermark. Glenn and I have been playing music since 1989 together. I'm one of the other vocalists. And to answer, I, I think what I feel about the question you just asked is is Glenn has a great traditional country voice, and along those lines, Luke Combs and all that, and Troy has a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of the newer style. Mm-hmm. Great voice for that. I grew up on rock and roll and had a really rough time trying to convert to country. I love it. And uh, I, I my most popular requests are Chris Stapleton. So we got three different
7: nice.
2: style voices, but we started to learn to blend together very well. No, the, the stuff that I've heard, you guys definitely are talented. I mean, you've been playing for a long time, so it speaks for itself. Uh, the the question I wanted to ask you is so Shy Town. The Shy Town I remember, and you know, we're, like we said, we're all from Shiloh County. Uh, I went over there. I had some friends who lived by Shy Town. We would snowmobile over there, and we'd run around and throw rocks in the dam and stuff like that. <laughs> what? Where? Why did you name your band Shy Town? Like, kind of, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> so
8: first, uh, as we were sitting around thinking up names. We thought uh, we would name ourselves after some sort of creek, but since that was rarely used at the time in 2014, 15, I'm joking about that. Every band was something creek. Um, we stumbled across, I think it was Chi-Town Creek first, and then somebody, then somebody said, well, how about Chi-Town? And then, and then it was, the discussion turned into, are we legit? How can we call ourselves Shytown?" town And we said, technically, Troy lives. By Shy town he's, yep. he's in the zone out there, so we got it. We're, we're all got the street cred we need. Perfect. <laughs> I'd like to point out our younger guys and very talented, our drummer
4: Casey Smith. He yep. just started a couple months ago with us, wasn't
8: it? Uh, yeah, back in November. I just was a stay-at-home musician, basically just playing concerts for my parents in my basement, much to their annoyance. And,
4: uh, <laughs> uh,
6: Troy just gave me a call, asked me to come try out. Uh, and after a couple of
8: auditions, they just kind of asked me to join, and it's been, uh, it's been a great time ever since. I only have a couple shows under my belt, but we're excited for a really good summer lined up. Yeah. Absolute, absolute professional. Brett Whisker is on the guitar floor. Say hi, Brett. <laughs>
4: Hello. Hey, Brett. Casey <laughs> he and Brett are the young kids that bring all the more,
8: let's yeah. say, attractive type
4: Yeah,
8: yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. and we, we say kids. But they're they're far from being kids. Yeah. Jesus, they've got full time jobs. Everybody, so <laughs> can we get past that? Um, but uh, it, it's interesting. It's a good blend because ideas can be you know you can wear them out after thirty years of playing music. But uh, they bring along fresh ideas, how to put the arrangements together. So it's I think it's a really good fit and a good mix. We're having a
1: ball. Well, I'll tell you what I've I have actually, as you know, seen a few shows and uh you guys seem really tight as a group you know i know you had a lot of rehearsal time leading up to your first gig there over in uh, fenton uh to start off this season you know what what is it like you know when you get together and rehearse do you do you bring out some new tunes that are suggested maybe to mix in with your play set
8: there's generally a lot of sarcasm <laughs> <laughs> and uh it's, it's it can be uh everybody practices different so when we get together and start to put together a song, you never really know how it's going to turn out. A lot of times, the songs that we, that at least I've thought through the times, were like, oh my God, this is never going to fly on stage live. <laughs> turns out to be one of our most requested songs, I guess. What was that one that you did? Uh, the Luke? The uh, Luke, no. No, Luke Bryan? Uh, not, yeah. What That's was that Uh My, that my night. night. We just yeah. thought we, we'd I, never get that, and all of a sudden it was there. So. Hmm.
2: But we we let, try to let everybody have their their voice be heard. So some of the songs that we're doing is Casey picked one just recently that we're doing. Loud and Brett Brett yep. always uh, picking up songs he's always suggesting. So it, it's kind of a collaborative effort, definitely.
3: In all the performances you guys have done uh, just this year, and then obviously a lot of you guys have a lot of uh, history playing, is there one song that has kind of always been like, this will get the people going, it's in your back pocket. If you ever need to get the crowd into it, they're going to love it. Is there a certain song that sticks out to you?
8: Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, it's uh, Keith Urban, who wouldn't want to be me, but we kind of put a little sass at the beginning with, uh, we do the um, vocal intro to Seven Bridges Road.
1: Oh, okay. So, nice.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, we have the group Shytown on with us here, and guys, you know, I, I got to ask you a question here. You got a new release, Run Me Through. Tell us about how that all came about, and tell us about the experience at the, at the rec- recording studio.
8: You
2: got great questions. Let me brief you, <laughs> Well, the song itself, um, I wanted to do originals with this group for a while, and we all wanted to do it, but it just wasn't happening. So uh, finally, I was persistent enough that uh, I think uh, everybody. But this song, even though I wrote the song, everybody had input. Now, when we finally recorded it, it wasn't where it started. A yeah, so uh, it, it's a, definitely a collaborative effort, uh, and. Uh,
8: we're kind of proud of it. So. Yeah, the, the song concept was Troy all the way, concept mm-hmm. and uh, all the lyrics were written by him. And as you go and you develop a song, and we're learning this, every day is something new, but uh, you develop the song through suggestions, and pretty soon you've got a structure, and then you play it out forever, or it seems like forever, and then you think you have it right, and you go in the studio and you learn you don't know it. It's <laughs> <laughs>
4: It's, By trial and error, yeah. It is. It is intimidating, and you realize how difficult it is to actually. Everybody start on the same time, be on the beat at the same time, end your vocals at the same time. It's you go. Oh boy. Casey, <laughs> <laughs> he got his
2: in one take. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. I
1: heard. <laughs> uh, uh, what do you guys got for uh, some upcoming gigs you can promote a little bit here?
4: Yeah, absolutely. This weekend for a friend we lost due to COVID. Uh Um, Biden's golf course. uh, They're doing a golf scramble at 3 o'clock, and then we're playing from 6 to 10. It's a benefit for his family. Next week, we're going to be in Caseville
8: at Ribstock. Amen. Friday night. And then after that, uh, we get into uh, Bay City. I believe, right, guys? Yep. Friday night at the theater. Well, actually, we're doing yeah down on Midland Street on July second. We'll be out in the street. Uh, typically, we're out panhandling, but that night we'll be playing. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, the following night, which is an exciting time for us, you get larger crowd, you get a better venue, better, bigger, everything at the bandshell, right downtown Bay City, one right so, on the park. Right before the park. Exactly.
3: Wow, that's awesome! I, just one more question from me. You guys are the first band that we've had on. Uh, this is a loaded question, but what's the best thing that about being in a band? I mean, it, one, it's awesome. Feels like it just you get a lot of like notoriety. Everyone watches you. It seems like it'd be an ultimate like rush. Uh, what is it that you enjoy the most? Is it just playing music? Is it getting together with all the guys and you know having the rehearsals and kind of the camaraderie aspect, or is it the rush of just performing live?
8: Does
4: anybody want that? That's all of it to me. Yeah. It's, it, and it, every time I thought I've been done, we perform, and then I'm like, I can't give this. Yeah.
3: Up.
4: <laughs> and we have a ball together, all of us. We get along great. Uh, we do things out of the band together, and uh, it's it's just it, it's great when it flows
8: like what's happening right now. I've always said though, you know, uh, a true musician will play for an old man, a dog, in five dollars. And yeah, there's never been any truer statement about me personally, I'll always play music. And you, it's rare that you get grouped up with people that are not only talented, but um, you get along and you have fun doing what you're doing. So I feel like it's top of the world right now, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, but, you know, and I get your point and I understand what you're saying, but you do have to get juiced a little bit when you've got a crowd that's reacting or out there dancing away and, they, you know, they're really getting into it, don't you?
0: Oh,
8: absolutely, yeah. Is there an ego <laughs> Every musician's got one. Everyone. That's uh check it. Or not hog the mic when you're doing a like a a, a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So have something
4: to say. Yeah,
8: Brett was gonna
0: say too. Well just referring to your last question there. Uh I think, you know, working all week, coming home, you know, Friday, Saturday night. When we're not playing, I'm sitting at home either playing my guitar, or, you
8: know, or mm-hmm. just not doing fun stuff, you know exactly exactly and so it just gives you something a little a little something to look forward to being an entertainer yeah it's an escape
1: yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> well we got shy town here wrapping up uh the the band again troy napier bass vocals we got Glenn nation which by the way I do agree I love both your guys voices uh, guitar vocals lead guitar Brett uh, you're that you're like the young stud with Casey in the band and uh, <laughs> Jeff Jeff mix in a little bit of classic rock as we go along will you and you really play a mean harmonic and the only other thing I got to say is more cowbell man you got to get more cowbell recognized
4: as Casey and the shytown and town band.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, can we can we promote it that it is the world premiere of Run Me Through? Absolutely, definitely. because it is. All right. Well, definitely get a chance. You can listen to it. You can share that part of the podcast, whatever you want to do, fellas. But we look forward to seeing you down the road and appreciate you taking the time out to join us here. Thank you.
8: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Follow us at three point pod on social media. Let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, Hankard Sportswear, Owasso Speedway, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z925 The Castle. We want to say thanks to our special guest for this podcast, Joellen Smith, the head coach of the Owasso High Lady Trojans softball squad trying to get a state championship, and Chuck Osika, the Run a baseball coach, and also a first here on the podcast, an exclusive interview with the band Shy town and right now, you can have a chance to listen to their brand new song, the original, the worldwide debut, Run Me Through. So long, everybody.
8: Here's a sad, sad thing.
1: Hang
7: me up, hand me down, run me through. New
0: Cash is syndicated worldwide on sports radio detroit and mwsn radio the show is a Sportsnet michigan production recorded at the wjsz mid michigan studios Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on apple podcast soundcloud or any of the other big podcast hosting sites comments and questions can be sent via social media at three point pod or by email to three at gmail.com thanks for listening and until next time Bye for now.